The following is intended for philosophical audiences only. Viewer discretion advised. It's kind of like you're a gazelle, and uh, you're out and you're being hunted by lions, and the and it, imagine being a lion and seeing the gazelle turn and go. Huh, can you guys just let up a little bit already? I I think I can finish if you just settle back. And then you know if you're the lions, that's when you know it's fast food. Um, or not so fast or not, anymore. Or <laughs> not so fast anymore. A good pontification morning. That is probably not something that we can legally legally say. It's a little little close to some other things. Mm. <laughs> but <laughs> also, I don't really know if we would want to say that, frankly. Okay. Well, let me, all right. Well, let me let me walk it back then. Let me let me try another couple of them for size. Um, happy happy morning. Good good Wednesday, my dudes. I take that one right back. I, was about, I, I think they somehow got worse. I, I am, I am, I, I've got a high sleep bar, but I've got a low coffee bar right now. Let's keep it professional and just go with good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You're right. It is a morning. Why, why should I try and change a perfectly good formula that we Absolutely. have going on? The truth is, I'm not trying to change it. I just can't remember it. <laughs> Even if in our in our ninth week now. Yeah. This is our ninth episode. This episode nine. Welcome uh, to. Episode nine of the Pontification Podcast. Thank you for coming with us this far, and let's uh, let's make it a nice round ten. Shall if we? you've made it this far, we're proud of you. If you've been here all the way. We we'd love to send you a sticker. Not that we will, but we we'd love to. Let's we'd love like... to have stickers to send you. Yeah, that's that's the more accurate. And if, hey, if somebody wants to make those for us, then uh, that'd be that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Mm. We don't know what we do without you. We don't know what we would do without you. This is all for you guys. <laughs> Who are we kidding? This is for us. This is a purely selfish. I was endeavor. about to say that might be a bit. That might be a bit. Uh, <laughs> just blatantly false. That's just a lie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I even I don't even really look at our demographics anymore because I'm just kind of like we're just doing it because we enjoy it. And there's no we don't have any like comments. Or or no. follow up interviews after this, so <laughs> we don't we don't know what you guys want or or no. anything. It's just us going. I thought that was did, I no, thought that was that pretty was good, great. right? That was good. Was great. Any negative Loved feedback? No. no, 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 no. Any no. negative feedback? No, no. <laughs> you, you're perfect. Oh my gosh, honey. Except the shirt. I might I might change the shirt, but they can't see. I it, might so. take the shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, before this turns into an episode of Magic Mike, uh, which would not work as a podcast, come to think of it. Yeah. I mean, unless you want to describe in exquisite detail the clothes in question. That, you know, okay. So this shirt that's take... wearing the burgundy and the orange just pops. Just um. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. It's actually minorly nasty. The shirt? A little bit. Oh, I love this shirt. Well, more power to you. Though... If I love it, it, it's because I ran it with 
family and girlfriend on Thanksgiving Day. Which See, that I totally understand, but I think my statement about the design and color and <laughs> material of the shirt stands. Also, I think as a runner, I love this shirt. Like a runner looks at this shirt mm. and says, that's a good, that's a good shirt. Mm. That works very well. And anyone else looking at this shirt says, why did you run in the first place? Uh, well, yes. And I could be totally wrong, but especially that synthetic material is just personally makes me, well, will make me roll over in my grave when I'm in it. Mm. I think it feels quite lovely, but that's because, again, I am a runner. Yeah, I can't stand it. Cotton every day. Which, as a non, you know, were I a runner, I would have to give up cotton once and for all. You would. We're an anti-cotton group. Mm. Well, shall we dive into uh, the last little segment here of chapter four? Absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> Pardon my... Pardon my nose again, dear listener. Mm. The uh, the allergies are running amok in this mm. room for some reason. Chapter 4, uh, this is going to be verses 20 through 27 uh, to the end of the chapter. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, and from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Hmm. That's interesting to me as a runner, because a lot of this uh, applies to good running. Hmm. Uh, Especially the uh, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Hmm. If you're running um, and if, if you're in a race and, you know, you're going up against another guy, if you're looking at a guy and he's ahead of you and he turns around to look back and, and see where everybody else is, yeah. that is a runner that you know you've beaten. Like, that that race is over as soon as he turns around. But you always, if there's a guy who keeps his eyes ahead, doesn't look back, or isn't even... You know, sometimes if you're on a track, you can try and sneak a peek over to the left or the right, depending on where you're at. And, uh, yeah, you you know that the people who are just dead ahead, set on their finish line, those are the guys who are going to win the race. Hmm. And it's the guys who are checking to see where everybody's at that are going to end up falling off. Did you have any uh, opening salvos of, of thought? I think I'm just... That the there feels it feels like there's a there's a um is that because you want to focus on yourself when you're when you're in a race? No, well, who are you kidding? I always want to focus on myself. Well, (laughs) (laughs) no, um, to to some extent, um, it's more about even on on a physiological level, um, if you're uh, you're you're and this is kind of what this passage is getting at, actually, in a in a metaphorical sense. Mm. Um, if your 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 eyes are kind of what your they're like the kind of like the physical rudder of your ship. Sure. Um, and so if you're looking back, I mean, if you if you're running and you look back, mm-hmm. um, the amount of energy, ex- yeah. Well, and not only that, your whole body turns. Which means that the direction that you're going 
your shoulders and your head are what are directing your 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 path sure literally yeah and so if you turn them like this then you're well turn them all the way to the right for yeah. those of you who can't see me um yeah if you torque your body around and look behind you then your body is going to follow your eyes mm. to go to go that other way um and i mean there's just a mental thing in a race you don't want to look behind you because um if you're looking behind you, then you're not thinking, oh, I'm going to finish this race. Hmm. You're thinking, <laughs> how much effort do I have to put in in order to not get caught by the people behind me? And so... Which is the wrong mentality. Yeah, it's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like you're a gazelle and uh, you're out and you're being hunted by lions. And, the, and it, imagine being a lion and seeing the gazelle turn and go, huh, could you guys just let up a little bit already? I, I think I can finish if you just... Settle back, and then you know if you're the lions, that's when you know it's fast food, um, or not so fast, or not, <laughs> not so fast anymore. Yeah, I think that's all very interesting. I don't think that's what he's talking about here as much as distractions. Elaborate. Well, I just mean I think you know when he when he's not talking about running a race specifically. I think when he's when he says. Keep your eyes looking directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. He, and I think this will be later, um, the the heading of chapter five is warning against adultery. So I don't remember exactly where the the story of the of the adulteress um, is in in Proverbs. It may be this next That's chapter. The, I think it's this next one. I remember specifically that that is. That story is told in the context of turning off of a path. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, again, I don't believe that he mentions running specifically. And so the, 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 the idea of winning a race isn't so much what he's referring to here, I would think. Well, I know he's not giving actual 5K advice, yes. if that's your point. Yes. But I think, I think, if you'll allow me to get hallmarky for a second, Absolutely. I think on the race of life, he might be... Uh, he might be making a point. Well, no, just the the it, the word running is not specifically mentioned, sure. but there are a lot of as a runner, there's a lot of cues that go off in my head. Uh, runner slash English major. Yeah. Um, when you have, <clears throat> and you've got let your eyes look directly for, uh, forward and your gaze be straight before you. Upon the paths of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. It's it's uh, perambulatory language uh it's it's a walking or running language sure oh yeah um, absolutely which all that to say that i think uh just as in a race how you don't want to be distracted by people behind yeah. you right yeah. or um you know in your in your pursuit of wisdom keep your keep your yeah. eyes ahead um keep your foot on the path um i think that's yeah I just like the running, bring, bring that yes, in my, the running <clears throat> my particular area of expertise. Sure. I thought it was interesting for um, chapter chapter two purposes, uh, yeah. reminder for those playing the uh, pontification bingo along at home. Uh, we're, in, we're in chapter two of 12 Rules for Life, our second week there. We've made it so far. We're, we're so proud of ourselves. That's page, <laughs> I see page 48 lying open on the table. That's, if that's chapter two, that's a lot of lot of pages that we've made it through yeah actually i think that's 67 pages in 
the first two chapters. Yes. So that's a that's a. It's it's pretty it's pretty hefty. It's we've pretty taken hunky. a we've taken a big bite. Yes, sir. Uh, of the apple, um, but it's it's interesting to me here. The way that wisdom is talked about having um, almost a a healing quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Um, if you keep wisdom in your heart. Um, I'm struck again by the the biblical implication that um, wisdom, right living, um, following scripture and, and your father's instruction, uh, there's a there's a obvious positive health benefit. Yeah. Not in a literal maybe yeah. that you'll you'll be physically healthier, but in the sense of uh, there is a taking care of oneself. There's a um, nurturing oneself. Um, we're obviously called to to love others self sacrificially, mm-hmm. um, but the implication there is that uh, we ourselves are in a place where we're uh, where we're healthy, where we're taking care of ourselves, um, and and the goal of having wisdom is to improve oneself and to be a healthier, yeah. better, um, whether that's mentally or physically, you know, you can, you can split hairs there for a little bit, yeah. but, um, generally speaking, there's a, a sense of, we can be better. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, the, um, there, there is the wisdom makes you, <laughs> wisdom makes you a better person. Um, across the board and sort of, you know, I see a variety of applications of what you're saying here to the chapter that we're looking at in Peterson because mm-hmm. not only is there a sort of, you know, wisdom is something that you should pursue because we should we should be pursuing our own benefit as well, which is sort of a, a synthesis maybe of what the chapter um of what chapter two of 12 rules for life is saying, I think there's also more recently, at least a lot of evidence that physiologically, that psychological health and physiological health are related. Physiological and, and psychological. psychological. Yeah. That there are, that there are certain, and I don't know nearly enough about that off the top of my head to even necessarily provide examples but I, th- I have a feeling that we'll run into that at some point in oh, Peterson. I can, I can because, give you a few. Oh, well, then by all means. Well, just as a, again, and looks like this is going to be a running heavy episode. Mm. Um, but as a, as a runner, mm-hmm. uh, you, you take your, so you have your full week of, or not week, you take your full stretch of, of running for a semester, for a season, whatever. Um, and then at the end of that, you know, that could last anywhere from eight to ten weeks. Maybe more. Yeah. Um, and then you'll take a two week break. And when you take the two week break, you do no running. It's just a total, total reset. Sure. Um, and as tired and as exhausted as you will be in during those eight to ten weeks, uh, at the at the last week of that, you think, oh, next week I I'll do no running. I'll feel so rested. I'll feel so much better. Uh, it'll be amazing. Um, and for the first day, you might feel like that. But on the second or third day, right around three o'clock, you start going. I, this is something I'm supposed to do. What am I? What am I? 
what am I supposed to do? And then you realize that you're supposed to run, and then you realize that you can't run, and there's almost a depression that sets in of just, <laughs> oh, man. And then uh, everything else just kind of falls apart. Um, not like in a total, like, off-the-cliff kind of a way. Um, but your mental health plummets just because you're not going out and doing the physical thing. And I find a lot of runners uh, find they have to do something physical in their two weeks. They take up swimming Interesting, or, sure. or lifting or something. But uh, runners, I think, as much as anyone, are, are highly attuned to the fact that if they're not physically working their bodies, uh, they're missing out mentally. There's something, yeah. there's some component that's missing. Yeah. And that's, that's interesting because that's actually the, the reverse of what I was originally referring to, but I think it's also true. Mm. I think, you know, I was, I was envisioning talking about the fact that negative or positive um, psychological mentalities have an impact on your... I mean, okay, so we literally talked about this in the last chapter. Uh-huh. Head up, shoulders back right. is, is an example of is an example of sort of the circular nature of this, that if you hold your head up and pull your shoulders back, you will begin to think of yourself as more competent and more right. capable and more able to face the world because there is, like, serotonin and, oh, what's the other one? Dopamine? Yeah, serotonin and dopamine. I believe those are the, yeah, that makes sense. That Probably some right. endorphins in there as well. Yeah. Um, those two things are, they're biological reactions that have a, an emotional outcome mm -hmm. which i think is very interesting um yeah and, and also you can uh there's a there's a, a visual cue to that in runners hmm. um just because i'm going to lean on this analogy all episode sure because we're we're in my territory um <laughs> but yeah you can you can tell the difference between a runner who is uh strong and a runner who's falling apart at the end of a race hmm. if if one runner is uh doing all of the physical things to stay mentally in the game. So, um, you know, for, for runners, form is super important. Hmm. Um, you know, you got to – it's there's kind of a, a different kind of a head up, shoulders back. You've got to drive the knee, land on the on the forefoot. Um, you've got to keep your shoulders up, and you got to keep everything straight um, and keep your core engaged, hmm. um, and there's a bit of a lean to it. So if you're doing all of those things, you can readily identify that they're on their game. And if you're at the end of a race and you're tired, uh, what you're supposed to do is kind of go through that checklist real fast and, and see how you're doing on all of those things. And if you're a mentally strong runner, uh, you'll pop into that. You'll fix the checklist. Anything that's off, you'll get into it. And you'll you'll really feel better because you're. it'll hurt yeah. more, but you'll feel it'll better. It'll take effort, but it'll be worth it. Yeah. Whereas if you're falling apart, you're going to be hunting. Your shoulders will be slumped. Your arms will be swinging wildly. Your knees will knock together. You'll heel strike. Kind of what I look like at the end of the race a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but you can, if you don't go back and fix that checklist, uh, if you don't go back and do all the things that you're supposed to, you might you might finish the race, but it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot harder than if you Interesting. Um, and in training, it's interesting because uh, if you're practicing wisdom, if you're practicing all of these things that we're talking about in, in our studies, um, it, it takes work, it takes practice, and it's something you have to do day in and day out. Hmm. Um, 
because I mean, if you're a runner and you're and you're practicing, what you do every day is you go out and run. Um, yeah. And the idea of that is that you practice your form. You practice um, when you're tired, fixing those things um, that you know will fall apart. Mental strengthening exercises, yeah. Yeah, and and so similarly, I think, um, you know, we have we have hard. We, you and me personally have rough days ahead. I think mm. coming to the end of a semester um, in in just a few weeks, and uh, you know, starting starting summer life. Uh, yeah which is going to have its own challenges too. Um, we've got to remember, and, and dear listener, whatever it is that you're going through, we, we can't take guesses, but we know that it's going to require um, yeah. diligent practice of things that we talk about in these episodes, whether it's um, keeping your eyes directly forward or um, keeping your head up and your shoulders back, or uh, taking care of yourself just as you would take care of someone that you are responsible for. Yeah. So to transition to that, we were sort of, I think when we left off, we were sort of in the middle of, in many res, of... Uh, Ooh, in media res, one of my favorites. Hmm? In media res, yeah. one of my favorites. Um, of Peterson's sort of overarching argument for the... For right. the and we had just finished, well, we had just briefly discussed um, sort of like the the aspect of chaos and order and the the way that the world is designed that sort of has to do with gender in that particular area. But I think the next thing that is on sort of the agenda as we're moving through Peterson's argument is that he's talking about, he's talking about the Garden of Eden and he's talking about how like how it symbolically represents like how it symbolically represents good and evil, um, and that's the sort of the many conceptions about what the Garden of Eden Eden sort of represents, um, and basically the 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 just to recap super briefly the arc of his argument and sort of where we've been where we're going, he's saying why is it exactly that people don't care for themselves. Um, and to the end of sort of articulating that well, he starts out with that discussion of order and chaos, and then he's going to go into that dis- a discussion of uh, the fall, basically, mm-hmm. um, and sort of understanding why is it that we believe that we are someone that is not worth caring for. And in order to do that, he wants to go back to the fall and understand sort of what he sees only as a human recounting of where things went wrong. Right. He sees right. it as a um, ancient ancient wisdom. Almost, he see, it seems like he takes it as almost a uh, an ancient uh, allegory for yes. the human consciousness. Yes. Which is an interesting reading, no doubt. I, I think we've talked about this before yeah. off air, yeah. but I uh, feel like it. It leaves something, <laughs> something to be desired, uh, but <laughs> yes. uh, but yeah, like and like we said last time, he's so he's so close. You you can almost yeah. feel how much he wants it to be more than just a, yeah. an allegory. I think. Oh yeah, because he's somebody who, he's someone who obviously embraces, uh, sort of continuity across across 
disciplines and who mm. is fascinated by the interwovenness of the world. And so, you know, as I read his thoughts on the creation narrative, I think that just about everything he has to say is still applicable from a Christian standpoint. We just believe that it's even more than he suggests. Um, That it's on top of being sort of allegorical for the human consciousness and the human predicament, it is also legitimately what happened. It's interesting how often that occurs, that Mm -hmm. the the reality of history (laughs) is also sort of constantly repeating itself in microcosms in all of our lives and, you know, in, in many situations. And it's also his fascination with, with narrative and with interconnectedness is, is maybe even a searching for God. Because how does he explain... I mean, we haven't really gotten into this, mm-hmm. so like, there's no reason. Like, we can't really have this discussion right now. But how does you? How do you explain the interconnectedness and the the narratives that he sees and that he finds and that he loves throughout? If there's no ultimate creator. Oh yeah, so let's get into that. I mean, um, there's a lot of different places that he, he ends up pulling from, mm-hmm. not just uh, yeah. The Genesis account. I mean, there's a lot of. He goes into a lot of um, Taoist philosophy. Sure. Um, some other stuff across the board, um, but the the general gist, as you as you were saying, is that um, in in the allegory of as he sees it, the allegory of the um, the Eden narrative. Yeah. Um, humans, humans are kind of wrestling with their order and chaos, mm. um, and kind of, I think, be, because of both... Well, first, of, they're unaware of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think... I I mean, maybe this is even something that I think we should touch on and, ju- and just maybe run with this for the remainder of the episode, which we are, I believe, going to try to make a bit shorter this time around. We're trying. <laughs> We're trying. Um, the idea... The, 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 the comparison of the garden to yin-yang... Uh-huh. And that idea that in any um right in any no matter the perfect situation there will always be that in any darkness there's light and in any light there's darkness. Right. Or in any safety there is danger and in any danger there is safety sort of um and his yeah like his what he talks about the snake in the garden and um sort of that how that mirrors um parental like sort of gods allowing the the snake to be in the garden mirrors sort of parental overprotectiveness or lack thereof which is a good thing um which i think is so interesting and that's part of something that i want to really wrestle with is i think it's a lot of times it's like so adam and eve were perfect in the garden and god's image for the garden was that for that was the way that humanity was going to live out the rest of time we talk about the fall being a, a shattering of the relationship between man and God. And, the, mm-hmm. you know, we call it the fall right. and we call it broken. Right. But at the same time, a lot of Peterson's, and I know there were important theological reasons for that. Sure. But I think also the standard Orthodox 
theology also doesn't believe that we were ever intended to just stay in the garden. No, no, not phys- not physically in the garden. But I think the garden... Or in the garden state. Or in the garden level of communion with God. Because what we'll have, as I understand it, mm. post, uh, post-resurrection, will be better. Yeah. You know? Better and than we were pre-fall. Better than we were pre-fall. And yeah. partially because... Uh, because of all the suffering that will have occurred and will have gone through and that will have been redeemed, yeah. because we will have an actual visual representation and a spiritual, like, we're given in Christ, we're given the greatest um, demonstration of, of love all time. Yeah. Um, which is something that Adam and Eve couldn't have Failed grasped in the garden. Yeah. You know? Um, and so Peterson's point, I think, I like, I like saying that. That's got a nice rhythm mm-hmm. to it. Peterson's point, um, as he uh, picks peppers um, with Peter Parker, is uh, that... Peter Piper. Peter, oh, yeah, I've heard I mean, it both ways. <laughs> with Spider-Man. With Spider-Man. Peterson and um, Spider-Man. Picking he, peppers in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. Um, um, is, he, he makes a, a, a reference to parenting, and he talks about you can either make uh, safe children... Or you can make strong children. Yeah. Would you rather your children be strong or safe? Yeah. And uh, or capable, maybe. Is the I word think. He uses. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah. Um, and there's inherently some suffering that your child has to go through yeah. in order to make them strong or capable. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a thing that I think about all the time as a as someone who wishes to be a parent one day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And being someone, I, I want my children to be strong, and I and I want to be able to say. You know, go out and get hurt. But the way that I am wired, I know that as soon as I see my child running into some, you know, dangerous situation, I'm going to be like, don't go over there. <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. It's, put that down. Put that down. <laughs> don't touch that. <laughs> I mean, if I told you about that, that Kevin Hart bit where he's talking about interacting with three-year-olds, and he's like, no, 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 stop, no, stop. I told him, no, no, I think, stop. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> No, don't do that. No, no. <laughs> no put that down. <laughs> <laughs> and he just goes on for probably a solid three minutes, just like that. Just just staring dead eye into the audience, just like, nope. And that's for for a very, very long time. And that's parenting. That's yes. Um But I think it yeah, it's one of those it's one of those things where as a Christian, mm-hmm. It feels like it's it feels like one of those issues that is difficult to sort of touch. Oh, indeed. Because it's like, how do you, you know, like okay, so can we acknowledge the the yin yang in the garden? Do do we want to say that that God intentionally introduced the serpent? Well, and that's uh, that's all right, something like, that's left very blank. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. not really like, and and I, I sometimes sometimes. Genesis discussions to me are very helpful mm. and, and are important, um, like historic Adam and, and that kind of thing. Sure. And sometimes Genesis conversations just go round and round. And just go round and round and yeah. round. And and whenever I was in school, the shibboleth at my little Christian school was, "What are your views on uh, young Earth, old Earth?" 
Um, Interesting. And it was like, what do you know? In the study halls, it was, what do you, what do you think about this? And I was, I was like, hey, hey, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't have an opinion on this. And they would be like, are you even really reformed? And I was like, I think so. <laughs> um, I to this day, I don't really have an opinion on. Yeah, on that. it's it's not super. Yeah. Which we just lost three, four right there, but that's okay. Three, four listeners. That's. I struggle to see the. The need. To, yeah. to nail it down. It's kind of like Sherlock. You know how Sherlock is like this genius detective. I may have already made reference to this on the podcast before, but he's a genius detective, but he still thinks that the sun travels around the earth in the series. Watson has to like let him know that oh, really? it goes the other way. And he's like, really? And Sherlock and Watson's like, you didn't know that? And he's like, never really affected my cases. So it's, yeah, I didn't it's, know. Yeah, it's, yeah. But it's that kind of a mentality of, yeah, yeah there's... I mean, the, it's the world is the way that it is, and right. we don't know what it would be were it otherwise. Like, if the world was created in seven days flat, and that is the way that it is now, we have no way of knowing what it would be like if it was otherwise. Right. And if it were, if it is otherwise, then we don't know what it would be like if it was created in seven <laughs> days flat. You know, it's 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 so ancient in history that I, yeah, yeah. But I think that is part of what was fascinating to me. Part of what is fascinating to me about Peterson is that because he's not a Christian, he doesn't have the same sort of reservations about being like, oh, God let the snake in the garden and God knew that we would fall. Like, ah, how do I? Right. Like he kind of just dives into it. And so then he's able to encounter the, the really striking real world parallelisms Mm -hmm. that exist. And I think to some degree, you know, I'm I'm somewhat wary of that. I'm like, yeah, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't know if I want to do that. But at the right. same time, having seen sort of his, you know, the the fullness of his argument in that particular area, right. sort of like that there are these comparisons, and that you know, you know the that whole concept you were talking about about struggling, and and I think one you know one thing that he talks about, and one thing that. I would add to that about the the redemption of the redemption of pain and suffering and mm-hmm. how that. Which gotta be careful because, and this is one of those areas we're talking about. Where we're like, <laughs> God is not the author of evil. God is not the author exactly, of like that's like right? we gotta so make that like, very it's, clear. It's yeah. Um, in the new heavens and the new earth, we will not be unaware of evil. We will not be unaware of our proclivity for evil, or our ability to do evil. But we won't and we have will still have the ability to do evil. Ouija would just... I don't know about that. Our ability to not do it is also redeemed perfectly. I don't think we have the ability to do evil in the new heavens and the new earth. I could be wrong about that. I, I, again, th- that's all very theologically, like, very theologically tasty. Right. Um, and and more, more deep waters than we have time yes. to, to skim across in but the last five minutes. But there is the idea our... that we know and that... It was always my understanding that in the new heavens and the new earth, we will be able to perfectly choose every time to do what is right. And it's not the inability to choose what is wrong. We just never will because our uh, desires will be perfectly aligned with God. And I think that's how we still have free will because if we can't ever choose otherwise, then we don't have free will. And that is what Peterson talks about. And I think... There's that sort of lack of knowledge on the part of men. You know, their eyes were not opened. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, there, he makes, a, I think, a pretty convincing case that there's maybe that... Maybe we shouldn't look at the pre-fall situation and be like, that was what God intended for us for the rest of history. Right. And then it just yeah. was totally shattered and broken by Satan just somehow getting into the garden right. without God knowing. You know, it's it's, it's like, not like God was surprised by anything that, no. that happened there. Right. And but even, also, he's, on, he's omnipotent, and so we, yeah. Even in the point that... Uh, Peterson Peterson has this line where he's like, it's as if God has forgotten that he can't see Adam yeah. <laughs> or that he can see Adam when he says, Adam, where are you? And I had to, I was kind of lacking because I was like, well, there's a reason for that. There's a reason that he's like making a point of, he's like emphasizing his omnipotence yes. by asking the question. Yes. Um, yeah, it, it's not like God looks at the whole garden situation and says, what? Yeah. How did that happen? You know, this is all, this is all part of the plan and, and, uh, it's no doubt that Eden is better than here, in us, mm. and but it, it's. But at what cost? Well, I, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I was never in Eden. Yeah. Eden. You know, in the Lord of the Rings, there's sort of like that really, really strange dichotomy between the elves and the and and men. Uh huh. Where elves are are just glorious, and they. Mm-hmm. They they live forever and they don't get sick and they don't age and they they their desires seem perfectly aligned. That's that's a really interesting thing about them, is they're they're other than pride, which they definitely have. Other than sort of stupid elves, they're they're they 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 do. They want to just rest and they want to just yeah. enjoy the beautiful things in the world. Right. But there's this, there's a degree to which they're. Their sort of distance simultaneously makes them less than men. Mm-hmm. Like the the men's ability to die, men's men the very short flame of their existence is something that makes them. It's kind of kind of like Fight Club, like that awareness. It's uh, it's like Fight Club where he's like, uh, it's only you know you have to. He says it. Uh, you have to know, not fear. No that one day you're going to die. Mm. And then he makes the point of, it's only after you've lost everything that you're free to do anything. I find, I've always found that scene in Fight Club, the chemical burn scene, for those of you who have yet to see it, I don't know if I can re- recommend it quite, yeah. but it's a movie that, I, that we both love. Yeah. Um, or that we both appreciate. We bo- yeah, that's probably a better way to put it. Um, but I've always seen that scene where he, he talks about that as, as being... Um, he talks about once we've lost everything, we're free to do anything. As a Christian, I feel like it's we've gained, we've already gained everything, um, which doesn't mean that we're free to do anything in the terms of like we can sin, we can live, and however we want. It sort of flips it on its head. We already have everything, so we can lose everything. Right. We can we can live life as we're called to in Christ yeah. because we are secure that everything is already claimed and won for yeah. us. There's an interesting, you know. To um, to to reference another Brad Pitt movie, oh, in Troy, ah, there's a fascinating scene where Achilles is is talking to Briseis, the girl that he stole from the temple, uh-huh. and she's like, you know, she's calling down holy fire on him, and sort of, Classic. you know, she's he, he <laughs> he's washing off from killing all of her friends. And and she's, you know, like, sort of a little bit, as I remember, incredulous as to how he's still alive. Right. Because he just desecrated a temple. Um, 
And he turns to her and he says, the gods envy us. Hmm. Because we are, because we are mortal, because we will die, every day could be our last. Hmm. And everything that we experience and everything that we do here is all that much more meaningful because we have so little time. And everything that we experience is fresh because we never know if we'll never do it again. Mm-hmm. And that's an interest. I think there's something really... That's a theme throughout. That's, I don't know if that's a theme in the actual Iliad, but I think that it's definitely something that the... the it's something someone inspired by the writers of the movie. Either way, it it's definitely uh, present in the in the Iliad, from what I remember. Yeah, um, and it's interesting to think about even uh, the angels. Yeah, kind of uh, marvel at humanity, which you're like, what? How would the, why would angels marvel at us exactly? Yeah. We don't have wings, um, but yet you know that that fragility of life is is a stunning truth. And I've I've been thinking recently yeah. about even my own insecurities and how they my insecurities drive me to do um big things Hmm. um and it's interesting because i i really want to get past my insecurities i really want to be uh stronger and and not have to worry about those Mm. but at the same time i have to reconcile the fact that uh i think i am where i am today because I, I felt like I had to outperform these insecurities. Absolutely. Um, so it's a strange little paradox. But speaking of time yeah. and how there is very little of it, yeah. it's really, I think it's time to close this, this rather wonderful Absolutely. episode. Thank you for joining us on this wonderful thought journey. Um, or whatever. This little thought run. Whatever. Tra- oh, yeah. A little, little jaunt through our <laughs> little, little 5K of... A little ideological. little 5K of philosophy. Trot. The marathon of the mind. Our producer is John Hill. This is Kevin Davenport and Banjo Jones. That's the music. You know what it means. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.